Good morning, friends. It is indeed wonderful to be in your presence in this space again. Will you join me in prayer? Oh God, how amazing it is that you call us your own. How amazing it is the grace that you have given with freedom. Let it be that grace that guides us as we hear your word and your word for us this day. That it may be a light unto our path, a lamp unto our eyes, a way to be your church, your people in this world. We pray this in your name. Amen. Sometimes it is as, it is as important to attend to the movements in a story as it is to the words or the action taking place. Early on, as I was learning to write sermons, a mentor suggested actually attending to this specifically in the process of coming to Scripture. She was a theater person, so perhaps this wasn't surprising. And movement on stage, right, affects as much of the storytelling as the dialogue does. So it was the movements that she invited us to notice, particularly circling verbs, mentally blocking out, as you would, a stage production. This continues to be my habit this many years later. So take Jesus' descent from the mountain this morning with his disciples in tow. Luke takes pains to move Jesus from on high, where he had been in the company of God in prayer, to a level place where he was surrounded. All around him, Luke says, pressing in crowds of his disciples, great multitudes of people from all over the place, Judea and Jerusalem, the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Luke names them so that we know that there are people from all walks of life in that place with all form of need and experience. They were there before Jesus, expectant. And Jesus descended into this crowd that these days, in our COVID-aware, socially distanced, conditioned minds, it might make us a little bit anxious, but he stood there on a level plain, surrounded by these people, and power came out of him to heal, says Luke. We're not that far away from Advent that our ears might still ring with some of the words that we hear from prophet to prophet, from Isaiah to John, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. God makes paths straight. God fills valleys. God makes mountains low and smooths rough places. All flesh shall see then the salvation of God. Or we could also remember the words sung by Mary, where God brings down the powerful from their thrones and lifts up the lowly, fills the hungry with good things, sends the rich away empty. Jesus has these words on his mind, and they come out now. This up and down, the smoothing and leveling, and there was Jesus standing on this level plain as power comes out of him, and all flesh was gathered there for a glimpse of the salvation of God. So it was there 
that Luke says Jesus looks up to his disciples and he begins to speak blessing and woe. It was probably in the midst of that time that I was learning to circle verbs and notice movements in scripture texts that I showed up to church one Sunday morning in downtown Atlanta. Sitting in the balcony, I could look down and observe all of the people there and the movements of worship. The first hymn had already begun when a woman began to walk down one of the main aisles. It was the first hymn, so people were still coming in in drips and drabs as they do. It was clear she wasn't dressed as others were on that Sunday morning. Her clothes were worn, and she carried a lot with her. Given the downtown location and that congregation's ministry with individuals experiencing homelessness, it was not unusual for some to join for worship. The hymn came to a close, and the congregation sat, but she did not. With the organ now quiet, it was all of a sudden clear also that not only was she approaching the chancel, but she was also speaking loudly and with great frustration. One of the pastors had already moved over to the font on the right side of the chancel to begin the confession when the woman came to stop just on the left side, standing on the floor. There were those brief moments that felt like a long time, moments when no one quite knew what to expect. In those moments, I saw the pastor stop, and with his eyes attentive and ears attentive to her, he stepped down one step, two steps, moving off of the chancel, and finding the level place on which she stood. It was a de-escalating move, for sure, leveling one of the very visual signs of the power imbalance in that moment. We often use the idiom to find common ground in the context of collaboration or diplomacy or conflict resolution, but sometimes the actual physical move of placing our bodies on the same level to another adds integrity to the words that we say. Imagine when a child asks a question and we get down on eye level so that we can speak with them and see them. Jesus placed his body on common ground with people from all over the place who had come to see him, allowing the power to come out of him and into them. And from there, amid the people, Jesus looks to his disciples and he looks up. It's a word to the church this moment. It's a word to the church from the very one who gives us any authority at all. And his words spoke to his action. Mind the gaps. This is distinguished from the more familiar texts of Beatitudes found in Matthew's Gospel, in which we might all find a way to consider ourselves blessed. Jesus of Luke's Gospel, though, speaks to a clear set of chasms. And likely, just like we who hear it today, those there at the time may not have seen themselves all in the same place in there. 
We know as well as they did that there is significant daylight between these. The rich and the poor. The hungry and the full. You who laugh now and you who weep now. You who are shamed, gaslighted, stereotyped, and set aside. You who are lauded, encouraged, privileged, and platformed. It is easy in our tendency to locate ourselves in one place on this binary, one side or another, often, if we are truthful, seeking blessing. So perhaps we prefer the more spiritualized version of Matthew because there is a greater room for us to find blessing that we seek. Yet I don't think Jesus' point here is for us to scramble about to find the higher ground. The more we read scripture, we know more and more that God does not necessarily deal in binary understandings the way we do. It is not all black and white. It is not the case that you are a sinner or a saint. It's not that you are blessed or despised in the kingdom of God. None of this feels to be the truth of the good news. Rather, the reign of God looks to the binaries we've created and actively works to deconstruct these. One after another, mountains made low, valleys lifted up, the powerful from their thrones, the hungry filled with good things. So knowing this about the kingdom of God, Jesus stood before these people in our world with gaps, the gaps that he names are so very real and perpetuated daily, and he made them undeniably and uncomfortably clear. Luke's Jesus does not want us to find an easy way out of confronting these realities. He wants us to stand in their midst and see them. The Chester Community Coalition is one of our local outreach partners, supported by annual grants of our outreach operating budget. That is by your good stewardship. Chester Community Coalition is, does the work of healing the psychological and emotional impacts of homicides and reducing trauma-related reactive violence in the city of Chester. They do this primarily by offering, uh, providing trauma-informed counseling to individuals and families who have experienced loss due to gun violence. In a recent newsletter, they shared a celebration that in 2021, firearm rates and assault, uh, firearm assaults and homicide rates were down in Chester, citywide. A blessing of the hard and persistent work of many in that community. Thanks be to God. Yet alongside this news, a chasm that could not be missed. That is that in 2021, 240 people were either assaulted by a firearm or killed by one in the city of Chester. That number in the rest of Delaware County outside of Chester is 23. The number of people murdered in Chester in this last year alone is 61. The number in the rest of Delaware County is two. 
We know, of course, that this gap does not exist in a vacuum. When we layer this across the multiplicity of gaps in income, health, education, and opportunity between Chester and the surrounding county, we know, friends, we know, there is a trend that speaks woe within our hearts. According to census data overlaid in our area by the Foundation for Delaware County, the average life expectancy in the city of Chester is 75 years or less. In Swarthmore, it is 81 years. The average per capita income in Swarthmore is $51,895, while in the city of Chester, it is $17,581. The high school graduation rate in the Wallingford-Swarthmore School District is 91.5% while in the Chester Upland School District, it is 72% or less. If we broaden to the whole of Delaware County, of the approximately 27 convention, uh, conventional grocery stores mapped across the county, one of these is located in Chester, and it is limited stock, while approximately 17 are clustered together in just the western portion of the county. Unsurprisingly, the reported obesity rates in and around Chester is significantly higher than all but one other portion of the county. All the while, access to fresh produce and wide variety of foods is limited. The numbers can flow through us, but we can see beyond the numbers, and we see the gaps. We know it has been cultivated and deepened over time, and it feels insurmountable. Peaks and valleys that took decades, centuries to form through unjust policies and lies that we came to believe as truth about one another, and the inherent capacity or lack of that we have assumed. How can these valleys be brought up and these mountains be made low, we wonder? Who in the world is strong enough, persistent enough to pull down the powerful from their thrones and to lift up the lowly? And what does it mean for us? Jesus stood on that level plane and he looked to his disciples. He looks to his church from the midst of despair and he says, pay attention he looks up at them and says, why are you still up there? I am down here. The place of the church is the view from this gap of blessing and woe. Clear-headed about the disparities, our place in perpetuating them, our work alongside Christ in making whole what has been broken. It is to step down and out, to release some of that power or to use what we have to build more with those who are near to demanding restoration, healing, re repentance, and repair. Instead of worrying what it might mean for us to know change, what if we wondered or imagined what it could mean for our neighbors to know change. 
We are called to help shift the culture of thinking that there is only so much wealth to be had, only so much safety that can be guaranteed, only so much opportunity to be doled out. For our understanding of stewardship is that there is always enough. There's more than enough. We are called to help confront racist lies that some people are more inclined to ways of being or more used to or adapted to or less capable of. For our understanding of creation is that we are all made equally in the image of God. Indeed, we are beloved. We are called to embody the world as God sees it, not as a dwindling resource, but as a table, long and ever-expanding, full of rich things. For our understanding of the kingdom is that there is plenty of room for blessing. Indeed, all are welcome. Jesus speaks plainly. These gaps will be leveled, one way or another. Scripture attests to it again and again. We cannot continue to exist in the hope that one way of life persists at the expense of others, or in despair that there is nothing to be done about it. Jesus confronts us here. He discomforts us on purpose, and he invites us into the gap, making sure that we see clearly that the reign of God will see this all upended. And as disciples, we are invited to step into it, to come alongside, to put ourselves on the line for the sake of that leveling, so that all flesh may see the salvation of our God. May we have courage and love to do so. Amen.